Hooked on Sports. Episode number 20 of Hooked on Sports is here and well. My name is John Flynn here on the pod once again on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Hope you're having a good week so far. This podcast, this episode, has five topics of conversation I'll get into today. I'll get into the Tom Brady saga first, and boy, is it a huge one. The NFL scouting combine, the genius of LeBron against the toughness of Zion Williamson, and I thought that was a tremendous game on Sunday night. The case for Giannis Antetokounmpo being the, the league MVP this year, and then the Knicks later on. But first, we need to get into the NFL conversation surrounding Tom Brady. So, for about 20 years, we've been warped in an age where we've only known Tom Brady as the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. I started watching football when I was 8 years old, and at that time, Brady already had three wings. So Brady and Edelman, and Julian Edelman for that matter, went to the Syracuse basketball game on Saturday, and he apparently was FaceTiming former teammate of his and now Tennessee Titans head coach Mike Frabel. And let me just say there are many fascinating elements to the conversation surrounding Brady's future about if Brady wants to win another championship from a football perspective to settling his children in an environment of opportunity like Los Angeles, like his superstar sports mate LeBron James is doing, to his marriage and time spent with Giselle. This is clearly the main storyline on what looks like to be an NFL offseason with the quantity and quality of stories like we haven't seen from an NFL offseason since at least the Peyton Manning free agency saga in 2012. And look, I might be in the minority of the public opinion there, and although legally Brady is not supposed to be talking with the coaches who are employed by other teams, I don't have a problem, for Brady's perspective, of him FaceTiming Mike Vrabel. Because at the end of the day, football is about winning, and seeing what Mike Vrabel did this season with Ryan Tannehill and the Titans, they took a double-digit lead into the AFC Championship game before they got Mahomes by the Kansas City Chiefs. Brady would like more clarity on this, and that. And if you've been watching The Bachelor, I think that's one of the main uh, main words of of the season: clarity. But we do know three things about Tom Brady: a) he's playing for at least two more years; b) he's not going to be a backup; and c) he wants a large salary. So we look around the NFL for teams where. Brady can play, and about six weeks ago, we established three teams other than the Patriots that make sense. The LA Chargers, the Tennessee Titans, and the Vegas Raiders. I think the elements of surprise aren't clear if he signs with the Chargers or the Titans, or if he goes back to New England. But but we, we like to warp ourselves into Tom Brady is to football as LeBron James is to basketball. But we've seen LeBron make legacy-defining transactions, both 
for his on and off the court situation. So we saw LeBron go to Miami because he didn't win a single NBA Finals game with the Cavs during his first seven seasons, despite all the accolades and the multiple MVPs. And for a time, about 10 years ago, his legacy was defined as not coming through in the big spot when you look at it, when you look at winning championships. And with all the comparisons he got from an early age with Jordan, he did have bad rosters around him, and he really had no chance of winning the championship, because when you look at all the guys that have won championships the last several years, they needed another, another big guy around him, or another uh, high-profile talent. I see the Tennessee Titans connection here, because there is this element from a sports perspective. And this is totally up to Tom Brady, and if Brady thinks that his legacy is more important from a general perspective as truly the greatest quarterback of all time, and not needing the aid of Bill Belichick, the single greatest coach in NFL history to win a championship, he'd absolutely sign with the Tennessee Titans because of all the intangibles Tennessee already has. An elite running back whom the Titans are expected to franchise tag in Derrick Henry, Strong offensive line, a good crop of receivers led by sensation rookie AJ Brown. None of those three, when you when you watch the games from from a coaching perspective, that n none of those three elements Brady had last season. And, and again, the Patriots were coupled with a strong defense that that um, guided the Patriots to the playoffs. But the Titans too have a strong defense. That has beaten Brady twice in the last two years. Once in Nashville and once in Foxborough in the playoffs. I also see the element of when LeBron went back to Cleveland because he knew he needed to solidify his cab status by delivering on the promise to win a championship, which he did. And I don't blame LeBron for going to Miami because he, he knew the Cavs roster needed to get a lot better for him to go back and win a championship. This to me is the New England connection here. Because Brady is entering his 21st season in the league. And if he signs with the Patriots, it would tie an NFL record for a longest career with just one team with the great kicker Jason Hansen from the Lions from 1992 to 2012. And Brady is comfortable with how the Patriots operate. Which is with, with what's expected from the front office, the owner, the coaches, Brady himself. He's familiar with what uh, Josh McDaniels wants to operate on offense. And Josh McDaniels is still going to be the offensive coordinator for the Patriots. It'd be more of a routine for Brady. And one of the things Brady likes is routine. And it works for him. And, it, and, and we've seen that in the six championship rings he's accumulated over the course of his career. Then we have the celebrity element of LeBron. When he joined the Lakers two years ago, it would be a good place to raise kids and and spread and and spread his brand around and get them exposure to a more grandiose setting. That celebrity element which has grown more and more with Brady over the last two or three years as he's gotten there with age. That's the Chargers element to this. A place for him to grow his brand, for him to be part of the Hollywood lifestyle. Plus, the Chargers are entering their new stadium this season, and Brady taking the first snaps for the franchise at the new stadium 
with a new team in a new direction would be the absolute perfect backdrop to the promise of football in Los Angeles truly embarking a new era. That would also instantly energize a fan base that's felt lonely and felt demoralized after seeing the last three years at with road teams getting in essence a home field advantage at their pseudo football slash soccer stadium that they played in in the three years since they moved from San Diego. I don't see how those three elements I talked about with the legacy in general, legacy of a franchise and the Hollywood setting fitting collectively with the Vegas Raiders though, unless it's Giselle pulling some strings in the conversation that might lure Brady to play for John Gruden. But I'll stand by my belief that if I'm Tom Brady, I would absolutely positively sign with the Titans. I think six rings in an era of 32 teams makes him the single greatest quarterback ever. And should he win the seventh ring, this time with the Titans to deliver their first NFL championship, their first Super Bowl in franchise history, the opinion of Brady being the greatest of all time will be mainstream. I've been consistent on that, and I'll keep saying it, even if Tom Brady signs elsewhere. And by the way, we got these interesting rumors over the last 24 hours, pinning Tom Brady with the San Francisco 49ers. Which, by the way, has a blend of surprise and intrigue. But since I've already established that Brady wants to play often and get paid lots, I don't think it's going to make sense for the page, uh, for the 49ers to pull the trigger on this because John Lynch isn't isn't going to do that because Jimmy Garoppolo to, was a was tremendous at quarterback this season. He he led the 49ers to the Super Bowl, and I don't see any reason why the 49ers would would change quarterbacks when you have a 28 year old Jimmy Garoppolo and a 42 year old Tom Brady. I just think San Francisco is too talented of a roster and and too much in the line for stability like we've seen over the last couple of years with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan coming together. The, the 40, uh, keep in mind though that Brady did grow up 20 minutes away from Candlestick Park and was a huge fan of the San Francisco 49ers and again there is that element that he could want to go home. But, but I just think Garoppolo is like a carbon copy of Tom Brady, and we thought Garoppolo would be the heir apparent for Tom Brady in New England. But Garoppolo is 28, Brady is 42, Garoppolo has more years ahead of him. I don't see Tom Brady going to the San Francisco 49ers, and I'd still put my money on Brady starting in week one of the NFL season with the Tennessee Titans. Topic number two, the NFL Scouting Combine. And what an absolutely sensational idea by the NFL to finally get the Scouting Combine on prime time to draw a national audience and a larger audience. And wow, 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 wow. I loved every second I watched of it. Now the public doesn't have to be distracted from work, school, and watching other sporting events to focus on the stars of the future in the NFL because ultimately this is where the entire NFL gets a glimpse of 
who, of whom they're drafting and how their draft strategies square up against other teams in terms of what they're looking for. The players themselves, if you just watch the first night alone, you could tell how talented this draft class is going to be. And I think this, and I know the the, uh, the players are used to, have, to having the scouting come on earlier in the day. But I love this because th this is a this is a uh, a test of the mental toughness, which I don't think it, I don't think is going it ha has been a point of emphasis in the NFL these days with all the stars and and the softness of the NFL. The quarterbacks and the receivers were very impressive. The draft class is going to be absolutely so fun to watch in the NFL. Even the guys like Joe Burrow or Tua Tagovailoa who skip the combine to have their own pro day workouts. I'd bet four quarterbacks are taken in the first round minimum. Tua, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Jordan Love from Utah State. The wide receivers look so talented on the eye test. Tremendous with with speed and ball handling abilities. And just sheer talent. I think the Raiders should be jitty. The Dolphins should be jitty. The Jacksonville Jaguars along the same thing. The three teams all have plural first-round picks, and those are the only three te teams that have such that. Again, we we're given that the um, that there, there aren't any going to be any more draft uh, draft trades, and but we got to figure there's going to be a, a, some trades for the quarterback needy teams. But but the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Jaguars are all quarterback potential teams and all are wide receiver potential teams. I think those teams are going to get a lot of talent in the, in, in the first round this year. The running back position is going to generate at least one pro bowler in Jonathan Taylor, the, running, the star running back of Wisconsin who flirted and set um, records and potentially two more in there as well. I'm getting more and more excited about the NFL draft, particularly in this year. And the combine just gave us more suspense. I had a ton of fun watching the premier game of the week, uh, game of the night on Sunday between Zion Williamson and the Pelicans and LeBron and the Lakers. And both stars absolutely positively put on a show. LeBron, 34 points, 12 rebounds, 13 assists in 36 minutes, his 13th triple-double of the season, tying for the league lead with Luka Doncic of the Mavericks. Zion Williamson, 35 points, 7 rebounds, no assists in 35 minutes. The present of the league versus the future of the league. The king of now versus the king of the future in basketball. Zion Williamson showed to us that he can stand up to the best basketball player of this generation by continually pounding and punishing LeBron pound for pound when attacking the basket. He was so physical that LeBron even acknowledged him and the young crop of rising stars in the NBA. But I will get into that in a little bit. But Zion showed up and proved once again that he's an all-star. 11 straight games of 20 more points as a teenager Never been done before, not even LeBron, not even Jordan. Zion is one of those players who has that authentic feel to him. I, and I've established this with Jordan. I've est I established this uh, during my tribute with, to Kobe Bryant. Zion is truly authentic. And he's got that authentic feel to him. He's got that 
genuine strength in him. He's no doubt the rookie of the year if he didn't sit out the first half of the year due to his knee injury. He's averaging 24 points and 7 rebounds in his first 15 NBA games. And if you factor in the per 36 factor, it's 30 points, 8.5 rebounds per game. The fact that he's doing this at 19. And yes, I will acknowledge the workload in-game isn't as much for him as John Moran, R.J. Barrett, among others, because of the recovery from the knee injury and not wanting to risk any further health implications down the road. Zion continues to get better and better and better as time goes on. And more and more people will appreciate the Jordan LeBron stealing that is being tagged on Zion as a player. And I think time will absolutely tell if Zion will have an influence remotely close to what LeBron and Jordan have had both on and off the court. And we'll see the attitudes he has about the issues in basketball going forward and, and as he's being asked on the same things that LeBron is being asked about right now. But the most fascinating thing, and I alluded to this about a couple of minutes ago, about that game was the post-game commentary from LeBron giving high praise to not just Zion, but the rest of the young crops. And in particular, he mentioned Zion Williamson, Luka Doncic, John Morant, Trey Young, Jason Tatum. And I agree with LeBron that the league is going to be in really good hands the next few years with those guys. And I've talked about the, how LeBron has been such a mentor for the younger players, both on and off the court, and how to establish a name for themselves. But that game is also a reminder that and the, the, the matchup on Sunday night between the Pelicans and the Lakers, it's also a reminder that LeBron is 35 years of age and continues to play like the most recognizable name in American sports the last 20 years. He showed a continual ability without Anthony Davis' sideline because um, to rest his knee at, in a back-to-back to take over in a highly competitive game and a scare to get the job done on the second day of a back-to-back -back after losing to John Moran and the Grizzlies in Memphis the night before. And that dagger three to put the Lakers up by five with 227 to play was just absolutely sensational and that, that, that proves to show what LeBron has been able to do. The Lakers are absolutely on my short list of teams that can go to the NBA Finals this year and win it. And that's because of LeBron James being vintage LeBron James. But we have all the LeBron talks aside. And we've, see, we've seen the greatness. And, and he, he had another good game last night against the 76ers. 22 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. Although Anthony Davis took the workload this time last night. But let's, but let's be crystal clear on, on another thing here. The MVP of the NBA this season is Giannis Antetokounmpo. And no, don't tell me Milwaukee showed its vulnerabilities on Monday night against Miami, which, by the way, would be a difficult matchup for them. But that's not the point of what I wanted to talk about concerning Giannis. Giannis is averaging 29 points, 14 rebounds, and 6 assists per game without playing in the fourth quarter often. If you take into account the 36-minute average, it's 35-16-7. We saw on Sunday when they took on the Hornets in Charlotte, he can exceed as a workaholic, 
going 17 of 28 from the field, scoring 41 points in 35 minutes, which is more than usual this season, but we gotta figure his minutes will go up in the playoffs. He's been the only player that stood up to Zion Williamson so far in the 15 games Zion has been a part of where he shot 12 of 17 from the field that game. But I also think about this. The, and the only two possibilities for league MVP this season, if the season ended today, are LeBron and Giannis. Milwaukee is six games uh, uh, in front of the Lakers for the best regular season record in the NBA. Giannis is the best defender on the league's most efficient defense. The Giannis has averaged 30 points a game to LeBron's 27 with four fewer minutes. But I also want to look at Giannis and LeBron in the efficiency ratings for a, for a couple of things. One, Giannis' usage rate is 37.2%, and I believe, according to the Hollinger usage rating and the Hollinger player ratings, which which I which I think is, is how 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 often he's involved in the offense. To LeBron's 33.8%, so that's a three and a half percentage point difference. Giannis is in the top ten in the league in defensive rebound rate, rebound rate higher than LeBron and wins at it, higher true shooting percentage, better turnover rate than him. And he doesn't have the second true superstar that LeBron has in Anthony Davis or James Harden has with Russell Westbrook. However, I do believe Milwaukee's starting five, and I do want to acknowledge this when you look at the MVP candidates with with with, um, with LeBron and Giannis. I think Milwaukee's starting five is better than that of the Lakers or the Rockets if People want to throw James Harden and or Russell Westbrook into the conversation, but um, but I, I, I you, if Kawhi was in that conversation, I, which he isn't this year, I would have put uh, I would have put the Clippers ahead of the Bucks in terms of starting five, but I do think he he also passes the eye test. We can be in a situation where Giannis wins MVP. Go, get, gets past the Eastern Conference Finals like they couldn't do last year, goes to his first NBA Finals, and wins on the big stage, and he is no doubt the best player in the league going forward. All debate settled. No confusion whatsoever. But let me tell you something about my discussion about Giannis. But this discussion has nothing to do with Milwaukee's chances of winning the championship. I say that to tell you the value of Giannis, not his ability or lack thereof to bring a championship to Milwaukee, because the M MVPs are, are are based on the regular season. And by the way, they should be worried about a potential second round playoff series with Miami and give credit to Eric Spolstra for getting his team buttoned down for these types of games and keeping Giannis in check. These three and a half months are going to be such a godsend for the NBA. With the final six weeks of the regular season, the NBA playoffs where nothing is a given for the first time in 10 years and that makes the playoffs even more worthwhile watching, even in some potential first round series. I don't know who is going to represent the West in the NBA Finals. My gut tells me the Clippers because the Clippers are equipped to beat the Lakers and they've already beaten the Lakers twice in the regular season. But you have to factor in Utah, who, uh, who is playing tonight against the Knicks at the Garden. you got to factor in Denver. you got to factor in the Lakers as well. I don't know who's going to represent the West in the NBA Finals. 
But this also includes the debate about Giannis' status among the stars of today's game. And I can't wait to see what transpires in the next three months. So how about this before we go for a story worth your consideration? On the, on the category of... Huh? So the Knicks took on the Rockets Monday night. Spike Lee was entering the game on Monday night as usual through his, uh, through his usual entrance. And Spike Lee was asked by Nick security in a verbal confrontation to not go to the elevator and to his normal seat. And he told First Take on ESPN on yesterday with Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith that he's done going to Knicks games this season and that he's being harassed by Jim Dolan. The Knicks subsequently issued a written press release that denied the allegations, saying the allegations were laughable, showcasing their unprofessionalism, saying to use the VIP entrance instead of the employee entrance. When Spike Lee says he's been using that same entrance to go to all these Knicks games for the past 28 years. But let me say this. Knicks fans know, deep down in their heart, that as long as James Dolan owns the New York Knicks, the Knicks will not be a relevant franchise in the basketball conversation. When you do certain things, to tick off your most loyal fans and team alumni in in the way Jim Dolan has with all these incidents that he in which he's owned the MSG company. You have to be thinking if he has any idea what he's doing. And and I mean that that Charles Oakley incident three years ago was it was a catastrophe. What he needs to do instead is talk directly to the media, person to person, interpersonal communications in a press conference and answer every single question they have for all of the mishandlings of situations he's done over the last few years. There's a reason when the Knicks get into these problems why they never get the benefit of the doubt. And sure, you can look at the picture that was in that, that the Knicks tweeted in their press release and, and, and it clearly shows um, Jim, Jim Dolan and Spike Lee shaking hands. But... It, it was that genuine? We we can't assume that because of everything else Jim Dolan has done to ruin the franchise. Knicks fans are some of the best best in the league. They show up to the games, a city that revolves around basketball. The Knicks are supposed to be representing that brand that emblemizes one of the most important locations in the world. Yet here we are again, talking about basketball's most dysfunctional unstructured organization because Jim Dolan sans clue. Yesterday was supposed to be a tremendous day for the franchise and its fans going forward. R.J. Barrett had his best game of the season against the playoff team in the Houston Rockets. By the way, Houston, this is this is another reminder that Houston's not going anywhere in the playoffs and they'll be lucky to win a playoff series this year. The Knicks pulled a shocking upset. The Garden was rocking. There was a lot of buzz. The fans were into it. Leon Rose was named president of the basketball operations for the Knicks. There's a glimmer of hope in the future. And then we come right after, not even 24 hours after the Knicks announced this, to more dysfunctionality. The last person 
the Knicks wanted to annoy was Spike Lee. And the Nets tweeted a picture showing Spike Lee shaking hands with Kevin Durant at the SiriusXM studios in Manhattan yesterday. This is an absolutely horrible look for the Knicks. Just when you thought things couldn't get any worse, they did. Losing Spike Lee's fandom to the Nets is the biggest punch to the gut any franchise could ever have. And the anger around the fan base will be livid, demanding Jim Dolan to leave MSG. That's going to do it for this edition of Hooked on Sports. I hope you enjoyed listening to my rants about LeBron, Zion, Giannis, the Knicks, the Combine, and Brady. That, that, that's so much conversation to, to put into a half an hour program. So until next time, my name is John Flynn saying so long. And remember to keep, uh, keep listening and I'll be updating weekly. We have our March Madness special coming up. And I'll, uh, in a couple of weeks, I have to, up, uh, to make official my 2020 Major League predictions later in the month. There's so, so much college basketball next week with all the conference tournaments. It's going to be an absolutely sensational thing to see. And I'm looking forward to all the conversations that, that, that we're going to have over the next week or so. So, my name is John Flynn and saying so long. And I'll be back on the pod next week, folks. So long, everybody.